0: So we are looking at that reading from Dave just, just, just read for us from Matthew chapter 5, uh, 13 through 20. If you've got your Bible, you want to open it up. If you've got your phone and you want your Bible on your phone or your tablet, however you've got it, it's up to you. Um, we're going to dig into that a little bit as we continue through this, this year looking at Matthew's gospel and particularly at the moment digging into that Sermon on the Mount, which we started last week. <laughs> And Anne, as she was preaching, reminded me of something that stuck with me this week. Um, I knew it. It's not that I'd forgotten it, but it just grabbed me again. And that is that that the Beatitudes are actually the way that our attitude should be. Um, And uh, the kids... Uh, in children's church with his Fern, they were given the bee attitudes, and it was a cute little picture of a bee buzzing around, telling them what Jesus had said. And my my kids enjoyed that. Um, but the, the beatitudes aren't really um, a multiple choice. It's not that that we get to choose which one we like and which one we don't, and 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 kind of live up only to a few. Um, they're they're, in fact, really describing the way in which we, as followers of Jesus, should live our lives. And so Jesus, he's come onto the scene, if you remember, and he's declared the kingdom of God is at hand. Or in Matthew, says the kingdom of heaven. And we kind of explained why and the differences between those a few weeks ago, and that there really isn't a difference. Um, and now we get Jesus in his first sermon. And if you read through it, you'll realise he preaches a lot longer than I ever do. And your complaint sometimes I go over, right? Jesus, you'd have been, you'd have been going, what? That's why, that's why he feeds them afterwards, right? Um, but he, he's there and he's reminding all of the people listening what is required of them in order to enter the kingdom. And it's key for us really to remember that the kingdom of God is organized in a very different way to any kingdom that is on earth or any other governmental structure that we have here in the world. The kingdom of God is so very different. It's organized in a different way. You often hear it called topsy-turvy or upside down because it's just so very different. See, in the kingdom, wealth is unimportant. In the kingdom... Power and authority, unless and except that which is given by God through Christ, power and authority has no value as we would think that it's valued today in in our present setups. See, as disciples, we're called to be kingdom people. We're called to be kingdom-minded, kingdom over empire uh, not building anything for ourselves, not thinking about our power, our authority, our glory. It's all about God and his glory and how really our life should align with what is Jesus' manifesto, his, his way of saying, this is the things that we need to do. And as we, as we interact with other people uh, in the world, they should be looking at us and seeing humility instead of pride. They should be seeing loving generosity instead of selfishness. And, and, and they should be seeing self-sacrifice instead of some power-grabbing hunger. And, and if you remember, kind of a few weeks ago, I said that Jesus started a revolution. And that that revolution was going to look a lot different than any revolution that had been before. But as he's done this, and, and I kind of get into that in, in a little bit as we really dig into to words of, that, he, that he said that we've heard Dave read today, he first needed to show the Jews of the day that this revolution was based on everything that had come before he brought that revolution. And second, he had to show that everyone who follows him was living by this new way, but living in the new way, but not at the expense of the old way. And that's you think know, as we try to do that today, it creates attention. And for Jesus, it created attention, <laughs> a rather. Uh, I don't know, what, what, what is the, the, the standard measurement for, for attention. I think it's like a newton, yeah? Many newtons, <laughs> this tension that Jesus has. Yeah, but this, this tension, it's, it's, it's there. It's there because of Jesus, and it's there because he and his teaching is misunderstood. Jesus, he didn't come uh, to, to simply teach a new way of doing things. He came to live out a new way of doing the old things. And ultimately, he died living that way, because he lived that way. He didn't come to throw out the the, the Jewish people, cast them aside, and start this new thing. And that's why the tension is really there for Jesus as he's feeling and, and the tension that's surrounding all of the people that are trying to listen. And those who are trying to oppose him. And it's all really because of the words that he starts with here in the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, He moves into this sermon just having talked about all those blessings of the kingdom to whom they apply and to how one receives them. He then starts to give some examples. He begins to kind of uh, prescribe, if you will, ways of doing this. And he starts by saying, in, in verse thirteen, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but it is thrown out and trampled underfoot. And this is this small section that we're looking at today. It really sets the theme for the entirety of Jesus' is 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 kind of his whole mission. His whole ministry, Um, he's trying to get across to his listeners the fact that he has not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill the law and the prophets. And so as as he stood there and he speaks, you know, talks them about being salt, he's, he's beginning to give them a sense of what all of this means. And Jesus, he's calling the people of Israel to be Israel. And that might sound a bit odd, but he's calling them to actually step into the Israel they were supposed to be. And in order to do that, they've really got to change their attitude. Now, we can take these words about being salt and and apply them to our life. Apply them to to being part of this community and how we're supposed to be salt in this community. But we've really really got to remember Jesus isn't talking about us here. Jesus is talking about his contemporaries. He's talking about the people who are listening. And he is reminding them that God has called Israel to be salt. That God has called Israel to be a people through which he will bless all nations. And here they are acting the same as every other nation. They're fighting over political power. They're striving for an authority that someone else has and they feel they should have. See, God wants to use the people to bless the world. He wanted to do that through the people of Israel to prevent the world from becoming spoiled. And if we look at the world, I think that's actually a pretty good description of the world today. See, because the primary purpose of salt back in the day wasn't to add taste, but was to preserve. It was to prevent meat from being spoiled so it couldn't be eaten. Yeah, it might add a bit of taste. See, the world was supposed to be preserved through Israel. But the people had lost this message. They'd kind of held on to it for themselves instead of allowing it to be shared with the world. So it's being trampled underfoot. And Jesus goes on. Then talks about light, and he says, You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but instead on a lampstand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, you are light that shines before others. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now again, we can apply being light to ourselves today. And we often talk about people in the church as being salt and light. But again, why did Jesus say these words? He wasn't talking to us. This wasn't something that was directed for us to read 2,000 years later and instantly apply to our lives. It was applied to the state of Israel, to the nation of Israel. And this is a reminder of what Isaiah had already prophesied before. In chapter 42, verses 6 and 7, Isaiah wrote and said, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison that they sit in darkness. And again, in chapter 49, in verse 6, it is to light a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. Yeah, just as Jesus had told the people that they were salt, the purpose to help preserve the flavor of the world, to stop it being spoiled, he is here reminding the people, he is telling them that they're called to be light. The state of Israel was the people through which God had planned to shine his great and glorious light. They were were light bearers. They were supposed to be helping those who had their eyes closed or were walking around in darkness to be able to see. Jerusalem, it's a city on a hill, and that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. The city on the hill is to be a beacon of light. Jerusalem was supposed to be, if you will, a lighthouse. yeah, And, and, And the light beams that were coming from it to warn everyone in the world of dangers and to guide them into a way of peace. But how are the people to do this? How are they to do it differently to the way that they were? How are they to return to the the older ways? Well, they were to do it through the obedience of God's law. That's what Jesus says. Through acceptance of a covenant relationship. And in doing this, Israel were to alert the world of all that God is and why it is that he is worthy of being praised. And Jesus connects all of this, as he says in the next section, uh, 17 uh, through 20. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until it is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same, Will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. He didn't come to start a new religion. Jesus came to bring life. He came to build on all that had come before him. The law, the prophets, this isn't something which can be tossed aside in the name of following Jesus, as some have. It's not something we can do as as has been Over the last couple of years, I've heard it many times. Unhitching the Old Testament from the New Testament. We can't do that. It's not possible. Followers of Jesus, the Old Testament is valuable, and everything in the New is only built on the Old. So you take the Old away, the New becomes worthless, the New becomes meaningless. Jesus was the fulfillment of all that came before, He's the perfect example. He is, if you remember a couple weeks ago, maybe a little bit longer than that, we talked about Jesus being Israel personified. It's the perfect example of what Israel should have been. All that that nation was called to be. See, in Jesus, through Jesus, the whole world now gets to experience covenantal relationship with God. And that was what the Jewish nation was supposed to be doing. That's both revolutionary, but also it's in line with the entirety of Israel's past. It's new and it's old. And Jesus himself became a light on a hill as he hung on the tree of Calvary. And through that act, he became the beacon of hope. It's through him that new life is now available to everyone. The intention was for Israel to be salt and light. But they didn't walk in this challenge. And the Pharisees and the scribes who looked at outward appearances. And Jesus challenges us here, all of his listeners. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what he told those people who were listening to him. And that echoes through for us still today. and we can relate that to ourselves in the same way we can, being salt and being light. Because those Pharisees, those scribes, they looked at the outward appearance, they looked at what it was like, oh, how you worshipped, how you prayed, what you were like in the public sphere, and why that mattered so much. Well, God doesn't care about those things so much. God looks at the inward appearance. He looks at the heart. And that's the righteousness that we need to really dig into in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. In order to enter the kingdom of God. See, Jesus invites you now through that act, which we're going to come to in a moment and remember at the table, where he hung on the tree. Where he went all in for you to be able to receive what God had always intended for you to be able to receive. But plan A was Israel, and that didn't quite work out. But God knew that wasn't going to work out, which is why Jesus was there. But he's tried. He wanted to work through those people. He wanted them to be salt and light. And they chose not to be. And so that baton, it passes to us to be salt and light today. Jesus is inviting you into a covenant relationship. And the idea of a covenant means you've got to give something. It's not one way. A covenant is a two-way thing. And really, a covenant is, I'll give you everything I have if you give me everything you have. Jesus has given you everything he had. And he's asking you to do the same. He's asking you to take up the mantle, to to take on the challenge to be salt and light today, wherever you're called to be. As, as we've prayed, whether that be in a school, whether that be in your workplace, whether that be at home on your street. To share Jesus, to be that light, to allow that light to shine through you and to prevent that which is around you from becoming more spoiled, but actually to go the other way and to really be redeemed as we prepare uh, to come to the table to remember that sacrifice of Jesus and all that that means and all that 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 then brings to us and the responsibility that we actually step into in accepting it I think Paul's going to come up and and just play for us Um, there's a new song that he's written old song that he's written and I don't know. I may have heard it before. I can't remember. Um, But just listen to what Paul's playing and singing. Be thinking about what is it that God's asking you specifically to do to be salt and to be light. To not fall into that trap that Israel fell into. To become too inward looking and appearance focused, but to look out and to share the hope that you have in Jesus Christ.